This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Schmedeke. Today, we're going to preview the upcoming Rockies season with Denver Gazette Rockies reporter Daniel Allentuck, and we're also joined by high school sports editor Luke Zalman from the Colorado Springs Gazette. Stay tuned. All right, MLB opening day is upon us, and I have two guests to talk about the Colorado Rockies, maybe a little NL West as well. First, live from Scottsdale, I've got uh, Denver Gazette Rockies reporter Danielle Allentuck. I'm sure it's nice and sunny there. It's 25 and snowy in Colorado. We finally got some sun. It rained for a week, which like nobody in Arizona knew what to do about. It wasn't there? They had like an actual rain out down there, didn't they? For a spring training game? <laughs> they sure did. Wow, that's that's crazy. And also, for the first time from the Cairo Springs Gazette, he's the uh, prep editor down there. Also covers Air Force men's basketball is Luke Zalman. Luke, how we doing? You know, I'm I'm in the same weather you are, so I'm pretty jealous of Danielle, honestly. Yeah, I have a, a Tiger Woods golf hat on, but there's no golfing going on around here. That's <laughs> for sure. Uh, they should have sent me to Scottsdale with you. I just would have played golf the whole time. Uh, yeah, anyway. they should have sent us all. Should've yeah, we should all just went. We should have <laughs> been all a spring vacation for all of us. <laughs> all right. So as I said um, in the intro, we are going to be talking about the Colorado Rockies. Uh, opening day is Thursday at Petco Park, where there's a ch- where there's a chance of rain against the Padres, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, again, you know, we're going into the 2023 season with not a lot of expectations. You know, Danielle, you and I talked about that before spring training. It's just kind of a team that's there going through the motions. So, Danielle, I will start with you. You've been down there in spring training for two stints. Um, you know, what have you seen? Just some overall thoughts on where the Rockies are going into this season. Yeah, I mean, a lot has changed since before spring training started. I mean, it feels like half the team is injured now. Brendan Rodgers is out for the season. Sean Bouchard is out. Lucas Gilbert is out. CJ Crone has back spasms. Charlie Blackman had a back thing. I'm Wayne Grichik is still out after having hernia surgery. So, like, a lot of their key players are injured and kind of key dates are not known yet for when they're going to come back. But they went out and basically got a bunch of guys who most people would say are past their prime. You know, Mike Musakas is now here. He is going to be playing a lot. Uh, they got, you know, Brad Hand. They've got Jerks and Profar if he can ever get a visa to come into the country. <laughs> so a lot has changed. Um, I will say the prospects who the Rockies had been planning to play a lot this year uh, have not looked as good as I think anybody hoped they would, which kind of led to this, you know, needing to go out and get these older guys. But it be an interesting mix this year. I definitely want to get to some of those prospects later, but uh, Luke, you know, from afar, what, what do you see with this team and what do you see going into the season? I, I just having followed the team, obviously, since, since I was a little kid, you know, all the way since those, that world series run, I think I've noticed it never seems like the Rockies have a chosen path. Um, And this year just feels like another continuation of that. And I know, I know injuries play into you bringing in some vets, but at the same time, you would think it's like, even if they're not as good, at a certain point, if you're going to lose games, I would much rather lose games with the young guys getting chances rather than lose them with Moustakis, Crone, Chris Bryant, Blackman making up the majority of the lineup. But that's, you know, that's, I feel like, just kind of normal Rocky stuff. So I don't know how newsworthy that is anymore. It, it's really not. It seems like that's where they're headed again. And we'll see guys, you know, guys that, are, like you said, past their prime. And I, I hope they don't take too much time away from prospects. But I'll get to that a little bit later. I just want to jump in first, kind of break each part of the team down with you guys. 
Uh, let's start with the rotation. Uh, you know, Danielle, you know, we've talked about Freeland and Marquez. And then after that, it's kind of patched together. They're still waiting for Antonio Sensatella to come back. So, you know, after those top two, are, are they in some trouble? So I will say Austin Gomber has looked really, really good this spring. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to the regular season. They obviously hope it will. But they've identified a couple things with him that should make a key difference. He is pitching out of the stretch now, which he has found to be really helpful. He increased his leg strength in the offseason. I kind of realized that he maybe wasn't strong enough to get through a major league season. And that's where kind of some of these injuries came up to play for him. But they've really kind of honed in on a couple of specific things for him. And he's just looked really good. So I think he could be their solid number three this year. I think on most teams, he would be a number five starter, but it is the Rockies. And then after that, you got Jose Urena. He's just kind of a wild card. You never know where you're going to get with him. And then Ryan Feltner, who is still developing. He's an overthinker. You're not, again, not entirely sure where you're going to get from him each day. But after that, not a lot of depth. They kind of lost an entire generation of starting pitching prospects that kind of never worked out for them. So you have to go really far down to find some depth. So they are okay as long as nobody gets injured or it pitches badly. That That's asking an awful <laughs> lot that no one gets injured on a pitching staff because we all know that pitching you know injuries happen. So, Luca, you think, do you think that uh, Marquez will bounce back this year? Because I think that's huge for the Rockies. Like, he has to be the ace. Well, it, it, I mean, they have to have the top two because, I mean, Danielle kind of touched on a little bit how Austin Gomer, that's normally a fifth starter on a staff. So when your first two are Marquez and Freeland, which I think each of them have had years where you think, okay, that could be the ace of a staff. They haven't really done it together. And it's it's starting to feel like those were more of an anomaly than what they're actually going to be, just given the past few years. Um, so I think there is a possibility. I think fastball location is always huge for Marquez. I mean, if he if he doesn't locate that fastball, it undercuts every other pitch he has because he has some good secondary stuff or, you know, some good breaking stuff, but none of it works if the fastball doesn't work. And I just, that's such a weird pitch to completely go awry for a guy. I don't completely, I don't a hundred percent understand how you fix that. Um, it seems like they've been trying, but Danielle, I don't know if, Maybe you have more insight into how they're trying to fix that. But I know that fastball location has just killed him in recent years. So they've identified with Marquez that it's all about his delivery. So he has not been able to repeat his delivery at all. So what mm -hmm. they've noticed with him is with his wrist, when he goes to throw it, if he tilts it a little bit, which is what he does when the ball doesn't hit where he wants it to, mm -hmm. it's like a couple of centimeters. It's the smallest change. But when he tilts it and he's not behind the ball, he can't control it at all. So he just needs to like really just like hone in on and really is it's the smallest little margin. But when he can get mm -hmm. his wrist straighter and stay behind the ball more, he can hit his spots exactly where he wants to be. But he just has not been able to repeat that consistently yet. When I feel like that's a little bit ironic, because when I talked to Chris Ionetta back when Freeland was starting to get demoted back when he was really struggling a couple years back, the exact thing he told me was, there's a line right off the mound and he's landing on the wrong side of that mound about half of the time. It's, it's a distance of about that much, but it, that's what screwed Freeland up in the beginning. And so it's so interesting to think that that little of a change can be the difference between a two, eight, five ERA in a season and then being demoted multiple times the following year. I mean, it's so small, those margins of error for pitchers. 
Yeah, it's just baseball for you. Mm. Yeah, that's. And so I want to ask you, Daniel, real quick: Will Freeland be stretched out for the beginning of the season since he pitched in the World Baseball Classic? And when do they think Sensatella comes back? So they do not expect Freeland to be fully stretched out, and they have just sort of accepted it. Um, it's why they will probably keep two long relievers on their staff to start mm-hmm. the season. He can go about five innings, 70 pitches right now, but it's Freeland. So you know if he's having a good game, he is not coming out of that game. So I think it all kind of situationally depends. Um, Sensatella, the way it's alive, hitters for the first time. I have no idea what day of the week it was, but I believe it was one or two days ago. Uh, spring train has clearly messed my sense of time up, but <laughs> he is on his way back. He would like to be back in May. It may be a little later, but Definitely by June. I mean, I, I feel like he's an important for the number three slot. I, I think they really need him. He, he was pretty good. He had he's uh, he had moments yet last year for sure. Um, let's move to the bullpen, which is you know Daniel Bard pitching the World Baseball Classic had some not great moments for Team USA. He had that crazy game where he threw some wild pitches and gave up I think some home runs and then some new additions. Uh, Daniel, who did they add to the bullpen this year? So, like, half the bullpen is new. So, they have uh, – I guess we can start Dinosaur Lamette. For fans who didn't watch all of last season, yeah. he came in mid-rate through the year. They added Brent Suter from Milwaukee, who is just, like, beloved across the league. He's got a crazy personality. He's kind of like your classic baseball dork. They added Brad Hand, um, a lieutenant pitcher, after Lucas Gilberts went down. They added Pierce Johnson, a Denver native. They have – Connor Seabold, who has not officially made a team yet, but he's right on that edge there. And I believe that wraps up all the new faces. Yeah. So here's my question, and Luke, I'll go with you. Will they have a lead enough for it to matter? See, and that's <laughs> it, it's funny because on the initial notes, I thought, wow, that's that's a different angle because I mean, when you look at it, it's like usually I think you associate a bullpen with like almost being a a, a Bentley. I mean, if you if you have the money. And your team already has the nice house, the nice, I mean, the nice staff, everything. Then you get the Bentley and that's the really nice bullpen. I don't feel like their team's anywhere close to needing a Bentley because they don't have anything else built up right now. And so, yes, it's not great that, you know, you read off that list of relievers and you're like, who are these people? But at the same time, that's kind of relief pitching in general. I think a lot of times guys come into a year and you think, I've never heard of any of these guys. And then suddenly you have a Daniel Bard, who's one of the best closures in the league. So relief pitching is so hit and miss that I think the lack of name recognition doesn't matter, but you are right. I don't know how much it's going to come into play them needing, okay, we need a seven inning, eight inning, nine inning to close out again. I don't know how often that's going to pop up. Um, So I don't know how much it matters, but I also know that not having a lot of big names really doesn't matter as much in a bullpen type you know, predominantly. Yeah. I mean, you watch the the playoffs and there's guys coming in that, you know, they're throwing 98 and you never really heard of them. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bard is such an interesting case in my opinion, because well, they should have traded him last year and they didn't and said they signed him to an extension. And, you know, will we get to the point this year where either a, he's not pitching enough or, or B, they finally just decide like we have to trade him. So I think we're Bard. A lot depends on how his year starts. And I don't know if anybody is feeling super confident in where he's at right now. I mean, we all watched the World Baseball Classic. We all saw him hit Altuve, and now Altuve's out for eight weeks. But 
the thing about Bard that I think he's going to end up being okay is that he's already gone through the yips yeah. and he knows how to get out of it. Like he is a mental skills coach. He's really, really smart. He's already identified exactly what went wrong and he looked awful before he left camp. So like, I don't think any of us who watched him early in spring training were super surprised with how he played there, but I don't know. I think even if he comes out and he's the best closer in the league, it would take a lot for the Rockies to trade him because the Rockies are so attached to him, which has been one of their problems kind of in the history of their existence is that they get really attached to their players and can't let them go until, you know, they are a disaster and they can't get anything back for them. So, I mean, if they trade him, I would be shocked. Yeah, I, I think we all would be. All right. So let's talk about when, if they can get a lead, let's talk about the lineup and, it's crazy to say this about a team that plays at Coors Field, but will they hit this year? Because they didn't hit very much last year. They struggled on offense. Now, I think everyone's hoping that Chris Bryant's return changes that. But so, Luke, I'll go with you. What do you expect from this lineup? And what do you expect from Chris Bryant? He's making a whole lot of money. So what I mean, and Danielle brought it up, I think what any fan who's followed Chris Bryant, whether it's Rockies or Cubs, hates to see is anything related to his back whether it's spasms, tightness, any any injury that says back and then has an ailment is something that's a nightmare because it's what has plagued him. And when I looked at his games played, because I thought, okay, how much is Chris Bryant really playing? You look at his games, it goes from five years back, it goes 102, 147, 34, 144, 42. So two out of the last three years, you're talking barely a quarter of a season. And when was his MVP year? I believe his MVP year, I want, to, I want to say it was that 147 was when he won the MVP in that lineage of years. And so my thing is, if he can stay healthy, I think he even showed last year, he's still a really good baseball player. I don't think there's denying that, but the one thing you cannot overcome is injuries. You can't overcome someone not being in the lineup. You can overcome slumps. You can't overcome someone not being in there. So if I had to guess kind of the X factor of the lineup, it's tell me how many games Chris Bryant plays. And I could probably tell you how, how good, bad, or otherwise the lineup did this year. I mean, he's so vital to everything they want to do. So does he play right field now with the pro far signing? And then Charlie Blackman will DH a lot. Well, we have to get pro far to the United States. Well, that's true. I'm sorry. My next question was, does he lead off? But if he's not in the country, I guess we don't have to worry about it. So, I mean, Profar will get to the U.S. eventually. I don't think he will be here opening day at this point. I think we were calculating the flights in Buddy's office this morning, and it's like 24 hours of travel time, and he doesn't even have the visa yet. So, who knows on that one. But eventually, the way the Rockies have it mapped up is Profar will go first, hit leadoff, he will play left field. Bryant will go second, he'll play right field, and then Charlie will either DH or switch Bryant out for right field, because Rockies are trying to give more rest time to veterans to kind of hopefully combat some of those injuries, and they're kind of finally admitting that altitude does impact their players, and they do need to have more rest time for them, so I would see some altering there. And then, so... Uh, you and I had talked about Ryan McMahon, I think, going in the spring. Luke, I wanted to get your opinion on him. You know, he's signed an extension, but is he more than what he hit last year, 250, something like that? So, I mean, do you, do you think they need more from him? Let's just say that. And now he's probably going to – so he moves back to second base as well. 
Well, and I thought what was super interesting about Ryan McMahon is, yeah, he, if you look at the overall numbers from last year, you think, I mean, he's decent. He's not going to be transformational, you know, none of that. But then you look at the final two plus months and you think, well, if he can be anything close to that, I mean, you have to love your prospects because he slugged 500 the past two and a half months, which means if he did that over a full season, that would be as good as he's been his entire career hit 12 homers. So there's, there's something there, but with McMahon, it just feels really sporadic. It feels like when he gets hot, he's hot, but when he's not, it gets really, really bad. And he's just, he's simply not a guy the Rockies can afford to bench when he's hitting terribly. And that really hurts them. And so I, I think there was a flash at the end of last season, but I've also seen a flashes like that from him before and fellow Rockies for that matter, that just didn't translate. So he's such a hard player to map out. And I think, you know, probably the biggest news I haven't mentioned yet is that, you know, Brendan Rogers is out for the season mm-hmm. and that's going to, you know, that's going to make things get shifted around completely. So Daniel, what else do you see from this lineup? You know, they're actually set at catcher for once, which is, you know, at least he has, I mean, as set as, as set as they can be, as you shake your hand. Um, but, you know, what else do you see from this lineup? And, you know, I mean, again, they're going to be young, you know, with Tovar starting at shortstop. I think this lineup confuses me, to be honest, because all offseason, the Rockies were like, we're not signing anybody because we want our young players to play. We're going to let the prospects, we're going to let the kids go out there and see if they can sink or swim. And then they build their team off of that in the upcoming winters. But... They kind of, they got the prospects going this spring. You know, they were all starting the early games. And I mean, from my vantage point and their vantage point, they didn't look great. I mean, Nolan Jones, who they got from the Guardians, Brenton Doyle wasn't hitting at all. Michael Toglia is still kind of working on his swing a little bit and striking out way too much and chasing way too much. They've kind of realized like, oh my God, like our prospects are not where they need to be we can't play them instead of sending them out there to fail a little bit, which, you know, could help them. They went out and signed some of these older players to fill the spots. So they kind of switched directions like that. So now they're kind of directionless again. Um, and you're going to see some of these top prospects in AAA for most of the year now because of that. So I'm a little confused, but there's still no, direction. it's what they decided to do. There's still no direction. Like we talked about when we started off and, but but Tovar is not going anywhere, right? No, He's, Tovar okay. is their starting shortstop. Um, they only have, you know, one other person who can play shortstop right now, and it's Alan Trail. So they need Tovar. I They have said if he struggles a little bit, they will give him some of that leeway to see if he can figure it out at the major league level. But again, it's only because they don't have anybody else to play that spot. So, Luke, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, you talked about watching this team – you know, growing up, Tovar has to be one of the more exciting prospects, at least in Rockies history. Yeah. Well, and that's what, I mean, Zach Veen, I think is super, super exciting too. just to think about what a guy like that could be as well. Toglia having a guy that could possibly switch hit with power. I mean, that's relatively unheard of in the majors. All of them are really exciting, but Danielle brought up the problem there. The Rockies have this weird thing where it's like, they won't let young guys fail. They, and I don't know if they're scarred and think it's like, well, if we ruin them now, they're ruined forever. Well, it's like, look at your track record, Rockies. You've been trying to do that, and you've ruined these guys in AAA before they even got a chance. And so 
my thing is if you're going to, they're going to lose games regardless. I mean, I, they may have that first month again where you think, Oh, the Rockies are going to be good. Cause they tend to do that. But if you're going to lose anyway, I would just so much rather lose with Toglia watching major league pitching and Tovar watching major league pitching, maybe mid year having Veen watch major league pitching. I think he's a little, you know, who knows, but I just see no reason why you wouldn't want them to see major league pitching, even if they don't do well at it. And yeah, the, the directionless, the directionlessness, I guess, you know, being the word, it just, it's plagued them for years. And that's why, that's why Tovar is one of their most exciting prospects because they haven't had many of them. So what about Montero? Does Mustakas take time from him? So I think with Montero is. Didn't he win spring training MVP? He did, and he has looked really good at spring. His defense is still not – it's a lot better than when we first saw him last May, but it's still not, you know, top major league quality yet. I think we see him and Misaka splitting off, but Montero is a dude who – I mean, all players want to play, but this dude wants to play. He loves baseball. He is in such a good mood when he's in the lineup every day, and you kind of see this shift. When he's not in the lineup every day, you know, that smile is gone. You know, he does, he's not out there early getting those ground balls in, you know. So I think he's a dude. If, if he's a part of their future, they need to just let him play. But, you know, Musaka's is a left handed bat. They don't have a lot of left handed bats right now. So may I see in the beginning of the year that they're going to have him and Montero switch off depending on who's starting that day. Well, and that's such, well, and I don't mean to interrupt, but that's such an interesting point, Danielle, when you say, Hey, when he's not playing for a couple of days, you see the mood change and it makes you think, Hey, Rockies, think about the mental damage you're doing by not letting them play rather than, Hey, if we let them play, they strike out 10 times in a five game stretch. That'll ruin them. Well, what are you doing to them when you're not ever calling them up and you're just making them toil away in triple a, I mean, you have to think about both sides of the mental coin and, you know, maybe Montero is the perfect example of that. I just, you know, and, and this is a question on my list, like, like, like Toglia, what good does it do him sitting on the bench? Like, if it, he's, I mean, if they keep him on, because there's like, what, one roster spot left, I think you had in your story. Um, the, I think it's pointless to give it to him because he's just going to sit on the bench and play once a week. That's not what he needs. So Toglia is a guy who I actually think needs to go back to AAA. And I know fans will not like that because this dude is a future gold glover. He's awesome to watch, but he's going to play every day. He strikes out so much and he's chasing the wrong pitches. And he just, he's not there yet to the point where he needs to go down and just get four to five at bats a game. And even if he starts, you know, three or four days a week in the major leagues, he needs to play every day. He needs that extra time in the cages. He needs that one on one attention. And he's trying really hard. You know, they're working really with him. He's, still in camp he's down to that final spot so they obviously believe in him but he's just not there yet and I think if they can get him to figure that out and you know kind of learn to read pitches a little bit better and be a little bit less aggressive and then come up and just stick that's kind of what they're trying to do with him and I actually think that that's the right move for him yeah I I, like I said I think he just has to play every day and if he's sitting behind CJ Crone up here on in the big leagues it's I, it just doesn't seem to make any sense all right two more prospect questions and we'll move on to the nl west zach veen what june seen by june um i'd say all-star break all-star break 
Okay. And then all the pitching is still way too far away. Yeah, they're low A, A, a couple of them may sneak in the double A to start the season. They're really good. I mean, Jaden Hill and Gabriel Hughes both played in major league games last week. And I mean, they were striking out all stars and superstars and guys making $40 million a year, but they just graduated college. I mean, Jaden Hill, especially is just coming back from Tommy John surgery. Joe Rock is a good lefty who is in, I believe he'll start in double A this year, but pitchers take a long time to develop and they are just not there. Oh, what about Peter Lambert? That's one more part guy I want to ask about. So he has looked okay this spring. He'll start the year in triple A. His numbers, he's still on a pretty regimented pitch count right now. Um, he's had more issues coming back from Tommy John that, you know, he's just sort of hasn't been able to pitch like he wants to pitch. Um, I think they think he still has, you know, that caliber in him like he showed in 2019 when he first came up but it's all about his elbow and what he can do right all right so let's talk a little nl west um luke i'll start with you let's we'll, we'll save rocky's predictions for last but you know i think this the biggest question is is this the year that the padres finally take over the dodgers um i don't see i as and i think that's a little bit of scar tissue from because the dodgers every year even if another team is more talented than them they just they'll call a guy up in July that you've never heard of and he'll make a huge contribution and then they'll have a pitcher get hurt and you'll see another name you've never heard of get called up there and then you just see this depth bit and I think that's so hard to beat the depth of the Dodgers just complete organization Padres I think have more star power now which you know forever that for whatever that's worth I mean Tatis hasn't played a baseball game in forever um Soto really didn't look like Soto when he got there I mean there's been glimpses so if I mean if I was a betting man I would still put my money on the Dodgers but I I think the Padres have the talent I just don't know that they have the depth to withstand 162 game season the way the Dodgers do it's crazy how deep the Dodgers are after making all those trades yes their farm system is still stuck yeah it's it's amazing and that just shows you not it's not necessarily being able to draft the best guys. It's being able to develop them. And it's something the Rockies haven't been able to do. And the Dodgers have. And that's why they've been such a dichotomy as far as, you know, their organization's outlook. So, Danielle, do you think this is the Padres year? Or is it still the Dodgers king of the castle? I I do only because I think San Diego is going to collapse if it's not. So, I you know, star power isn't everything. The Dodgers have all that depth. They have one of the best parts in farm systems. I agree with everything Luke said, but I think in this case, star power well means something. Anybody else make any noise? I I can't imagine, but I see the Diamondbacks not beating them, <laughs> but I see them being third and maybe being a wild card this year. Yes. Uh, just like Danielle, I love Arizona this year. I'm yeah. not saying they're going to, you know, just like Danielle said, they're not, I don't know that they're going to win an NL West crown, but wow, do they have some just exciting players coming up? Some players that not only are really good at baseball, but just have that little bit of flair that I think can kind of ignite a young organization and get that avalanche going to where by the end of the year, it's, they may not have the most wins, but it's a team you're really not going to want to play. I mean, I think Arizona is going to be scary this year for a lot of teams. 
And they got a pretty good one-two punch at the top of their rotation too, don't they? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So and then then they also signed like their top that top young player there, so like a big contract already. Mm-hmm. Which, and he's one of those guys I'm talking about yeah. where if if he gets off early, I just it's with young teams, I think momentum is such a huge thing. And if they can just get rolling a little bit at the beginning and he can be hitting early. Then when his slump comes, you may have some other young guys that get hot at that time. And so I think with momentum, you are really able to play through those those streaks where the young guys aren't doing well, which is why the Rockies just they've never had that momentum. You know, they they haven't created that recently. So when the slumps come, they they fall like a rock. All right. So, Danielle, we'll start with you. Just final Rockies prediction record and where they finish in the division. They're going to finish last. Okay. And I see them being, I think I wrote, math is really hard for me right now. I'm sorry. I think I had them losing 97 games last year. I'm sorry, this year. Yeah, so I think, you, they're I think not, that's what you had. 65-97. Yeah, they're not a 100-loss team, but they're also not close to a 500 team. All right, Luke, what do you got? I, I, they're so hard to peg because if they lost 110 games this year, I would believe you. I mean, I truly believe that the talent on the roster, I, 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 it won't always be this way, but I think it's at a really, really all time low right now, especially if Brian's not in, I, I looked up all the betting totals and they're at 65 and a half, which is why it's funny that Danielle took, you know, right under that. I'm right around the same range, but I think they're going to be a little worse. I think this is the year that they lose a hundred plus games and people really start to scratch their heads. I think they have been in recent years, but I think this is the year that really illuminates how bad the outlook is right now. So I went 64 and 98 for our preview. So not, not a hundred, but close. If they lose a hundred games, you know, Danielle, you and I have talked about buddy black before. Does he just stick around because he just kind of likes the job? He loves baseball. So he, as simple he, as that is, like, and he, would he even get another job? I mean, maybe a pitching coach job if he did leave the Rockies. I think he would probably be like a special advisor somewhere. So he just can't give up baseball, and and he has a job here until he doesn't want it anymore. Exactly. They yeah. love him. He loves them. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I do remember the excitement when they hired him. I still remember that. And I just remember, you know, they were great those first two years. Those were the two of the best years in probably Rockies history. Oh, and I, I did. I'm sorry. I forgot to mention this is the 30th year of Rockies baseball and um, still searching for that division title. Anyway, uh, so thanks for coming on, both of you. I really enjoyed talking baseball. But before I go, Danielle, let's plug a little bit of the special section that comes out on Wednesday. What are you going to have in there? Yeah, jam-packed with baseball content. Um, we've got a main profile on Ezekiel Tovar, all about you know his background and welcoming in this next wave of prospects, whether they get a play, as we talked about, is to be seen. Um, I went through the entire rotation, player by player, kind of breaking down where everybody is, what they need to do. And for our casual fans, we've got a nice little promotions list in there. You need that little extra motivation to get to Quartz Field to find out when you're going to get a bobblehead or see the fireworks and all that fun stuff. It seemed like there was plenty of 30th year stuff on that list as well, like hats and pennants and all that and all that stuff. Um, and then and then you will also be on the first trip to San Diego, correct? Yep, I will be in San Diego, whether they can actually play on opening day or not. 
<laughs> and they start with the Padres and the Dodgers on the road. So there's a good chance they could be coming back. What one in, is that a six game trip or a seven game trip? Six game trip. There is a chance they could be coming back with no wins. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, we'll leave with all that positivity. Uh, Luke, you got anything you want to plug that you're going to have in the, the Gazette coming up? Uh, no, just plug in Danielle's content. I mean, she wins awards for a reason. So That's right. follow along with it. And, you know, I'll have some content throughout the year. But for the beginning of the year, Danielle's the one to go to for Rocky's stuff. Sounds great. All right. Thanks for both coming on. I really enjoyed it. And look for all of our coverage starting on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.